We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, Dojo family. I am coming to you from Turkey in the southwest corner in an area called Kalkan, and it is heaven on earth. It is so beautiful here. It's been a full spectrum time. I flew out here to facilitate the live liberation dojo at my prior partner and his new partner's exquisite experience retreat. And it's been a beautiful time of collaboration and re-engaging the relationship that was romantic and now has resurrected itself into a family expression of a, a form of family. And it's just been a really cool reference point for me for the first time to re-engage with a prior partner and deepen with both him after witnessing the love that we share actually go through a full release and then resurrection into a new form, right? Love is an expression of energy. Energy cannot be destroyed, only changed in form. And whatever is true in the energy, after it goes through a death process, any relationship, whatever is true in the energy of love, even in the completion, the ending, the death of a relationship, the truth of the love will survive and transcend the death of the form and resurrect itself into a new form. It's a matter of time, compassion, patience, and devotion. And what I've been finding here in Turkey after spending a good amount of time with Oren and his new partner, Chelsea, is that we have been really clean and devotional about this transition. And now we've arrived into a place where the love is expressing itself in the form of family. And I'm having an incredible time deepening with Oren's new partner, Chelsea, who I actually interview in the next episode. So be sure to check that out. We both share our parallel journeys over the last year and a half and really redefining the energy of the other woman and the sister wound. So that's going to be a really juicy episode. And it's just been so beautiful to arrive into a new template of relating that is a function of deep trust. So Turkey has been really profound and powerful and beautiful. And also specifically the last 24 hours, really intense with the new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio that is applying itself today. And by the time this episode releases, we will be on the other side of this particular new moon solar eclipse. And the full moon lunar eclipse will be just around the corner, which will be in Taurus, the opposing sign of Scorpio. So this felt like a really great opportunity for me to re-engage my astrology chops, which many of you may not know if you haven't been following me for a really long time, that about nine years ago, evolutionary astrology was actually one of the major catalysts to my awakening process. I left the sports agency business. And during that time that I call my cocoon period, I flew to Northern California and went into this evolutionary astrology apprenticeship program. 
with my teacher, Stephen Forrest. And that four-day experience at the time, nine years ago, absolutely changed my life. And it is a tool in the belt for me now, but there were many years in my formative years of facilitating that it was the lead tool. I was leading as an evolutionary astrologer, and that was a huge way that I was presenting in the world and holding space for my clients through the lens of evolutionary astrology. And there came a time for me where it actually started to feel like a hindrance. I found myself feeling overly identified as an astrologer and the parts of me that knew I had more to share and more to offer that extended beyond the narrow confines of just that particular lens. Like I needed to shed the identity of, I am this, I am the astrologer. You know, when we tune into our lives, I invite you to do that, you know, to tune into your life and look at all the different pivotal turning points where you found yourself defined by something that eventually became limiting. So for me, you know, I had the definition of the Taekwondo athlete, which is where the word the dojo comes from. So I was the Taekwondo athlete. And then I had a spinal surgery that took me out of the sport. And I had to go through a death of the identity of the Taekwondo athlete. And then I graduated from rice and became the identity of the sports agent, the marketing executive. And I became very attached to that identity. And when I started to grow into the britches of it, I had to go through an identity death and release that identity. It's very uncomfortable to go through an identity death and go into the unknown space. And then when I resurrected myself, one of the first modalities that came into my world was astrology. And I just went head first, full on into it and developed into the identity of, oh, this astrologer, this excellent astrologer. And it gave me a lot of juice to serve and to facilitate. And then I grew into the edges of, wow, I, I'm more than just that name. I'm more than just that identity. There's more of me that wants to come through. And I noticed this feeling of limitation and feeling confined. And so I tabled it all. I reset my website. I cleared the forward facing energetic of myself as an astrologer and just put it as one tool in my belt. And that was a scary moment where I had to open up. I chose to open up to the facilitator in without the name stamped on it that I would ultimately become. I allowed myself to learn about you know, NLP and inner child work and gestalt work. I went to a two-year spiritual psychology program. I went deep into plant medicine work and I just started to cultivate a more of a rainbow spectrum skill set that would contribute to the facilitator that I've become today. And now I recognize that that astrology tool in the belt has gotten a little underused and it wants to be taken out again because it's a sharp tool and it's an important tool. And during this time, during eclipse season, I feel the potency and the truth of our deep relationship to the planetary energies. You know, you can look just through the example of the way the moon impacts the sea. You can see that our body is made primarily of water. So if you see how the moon impacts the tides of the ocean, this major body of water on the planet, how do you imagine the moon impacts the body of water that is our physical vessel that is housing our emotional body? You know, the emotional body is connected to the water signs. And so today, what I want to do is take out that astrology tool that I value so much. I still often look at my own chart you know, I make a joke that when I meet someone, I, I, I always still feel that desire to get their birth time and get a little lens in. And so I want to take you guys on a journey through the 12 signs from an evolutionary perspective. And the intention is for you to get a deeper understanding around the why. Why would a soul choose to incarnate specifically with the sun? in a specific sign. Okay. So for today, we're just going to focus on sun in which sign and in cookie cutter astrology and more conventional astrology. It's like the sun sign from my perspective, we get really fixed on 
this, if you have a son in Leo, this is what you're like. And it's, it's this more fatalistic fortune telling perspective. And I actually don't believe in that at all. I believe in free will astrology. And I believe that it is the interplay between our free will, which is our consciousness, our choice point. And that is a moving target, right? Like your level of awareness, how vast and wide your consciousness is, and the place you're choosing from is ever expanding and evolving and changing. So we have that as the variable, like what is the place that you're choosing from? And that is a function of the work that you're doing. That is a function of how consciously you're relating to life and the triggers that and catalysts that life is presenting to you in service of your growth and expansion. And you'll notice that when you move through a major expansion time, right? Like where there's a big trigger in your life and it teaches you more about you and you learn how to love yourself deeper and you relate to yourself in a new way, and you're, which means you're relating to life in a new way, the place that you're choosing from changes. So from my perspective, the way I relate to astrology is that it's the interplay between my free will and my relationship to life force itself and the energies represented by each of the planets. So the sun energy, which we're going to focus on today, is exactly that, the solar energy. In, for example, Aries, Aries, the constellation of Aries, when mixed with the sun, represents a particular energetic signature. Now, as Einstein famously says, energy cannot be created or destroyed, only changed in form. So what form the energy of sun in Aries takes in your life is a function of the variable that is your choice point, that is your consciousness, that is your creatorship, your free will. So if you imagine the place you're choosing from interacting with the energetic potential of the sun in each sign, right? That is what exemplifies, that is what indicates is the right word. That is what indicates how the energy will collapse into a form in your life. The form is not fixed like cookie cutter astrology would indicate. The form is quite varied. The form of how the sun transiting through Scorpio right now actually collapses into form and manifests itself in your life is way different than it will be for the person next to you. And it's way different than it could be based for you yourself, based on the place that you're choosing from. Now, the one thing we can guarantee is that the energy of the sun transiting through Scorpio will manifest in your life. The energy cannot be created or destroyed, right? So you can't say, oh, I don't like that Scorpio (laughs) eclipse energy. I know some of you might say that, but so I'll just not deal with it at all. I'll destroy it and create something different. No, we have to actually work with the energetic potential of Scorpio solar energy. But the form that it takes, it can be changed in form. The form that it crystallizes and collapses into in your life absolutely can shift as a function of the place that you're choosing from. So how are you receiving the lessons of eclipse season? How are you utilizing your free will and your solar plexus energy to relate to that which is occurring in your life for you to grow and to evolve? And the nature of where the sun is transiting, right? Every year, the sun moves through every sign once. It's always perfectly designed and perfectly timed to evoke, to be evocative of our growth edges. So. I will give a little drizzle of eclipse download when I get to Scorpio and I'll give a little drizzle of eclipse download when I get to Taurus, because that's the most near on the horizon. Those two energies, again, when this episode releases, will be about a week out of the new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio. So it will still be very active in the field. This information will still be very relevant when we get to Scorpio. And then about a week after this episode is released, that full moon in Taurus, that next lunar eclipse will be exact. So this episode is being timed precisely to touch both of these eclipse energies. And it's interesting, my birthday on November 2nd is literally right smack in the middle of this whole eclipse 
portal that we're in. We call it an eclipse portal, the time between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. It's also the time between a new moon and a full moon. So let me talk a little bit about how to work with the new moon and the full moon, and then we'll take a journey through the signs with the sun starting with Aries. So the best way from my perspective to think about a new moon is the unmanifest. The new moon is the time when the sun and the moon are together in the sky. And when the sun and moon are together in the sky, you'll see the moon appears dark. The moon appears dark, right? So it's a dark moon. It is unmanifest. It's like the womb space. That's why it's the time that is so most rich for intention setting. Because you're taking the seed of your intention and planting it in the dark soil before any growth has been illuminated. So it's like this clean slate, this fresh energy, this new moon. So we set our intention, we plant the seed of our intention in the fertile soil of the darkness, the space of pure potential. That is the darkness, the womb space. And then as the moon moves away from the sun every two weeks, so from the new moon, two weeks later, The moon will go to the opposite side of the sky as the sun. So we're having a new moon in Scorpio right now. So two weeks from now, the moon moves much faster than the sun from the perspective of the earth. The moon will arrive in the opposing sign, which is Taurus. And that means now the sun and moon are opposite, which creates the appearance of a full moon. Now, when you imagine a new moon versus a full moon, the full moon by its very nature is full. It's fully visible. You can see it in its entirety. It's illuminated in the sky. So when we go back to the intention setting, it's like we've planted our intention in the fertile soil of the darkness. And then two weeks later, symbolically, we quite literally watch the moon manifest itself in the sky. It becomes visible. It appears. So symbolically, if we hold close to our heart, the nature of our intention for that two weeks, which is the smaller cycle. And then we have a larger cycle, which is six months. So there's six months between the new moon in Scorpio and the full moon in Scorpio. There's two weeks between the new moon in Scorpio and the full moon in Taurus, which is the opposing sign of Scorpio. Six months from the new moon in Scorpio, the sun will have made it to its opposing sign, Taurus. And when the moon catches up to its opposing sign, Scorpio, that will create a full moon in Scorpio, right? So the smaller cycle, again, is from new moon in Scorpio to full moon in Taurus. The larger cycle is from new moon in Scorpio to full moon in Scorpio, which means the sun makes it to Taurus and the moon arrives in Scorpio which means there's that opposition again, and the moon will be full in Scorpio six months from now, six months later. So in terms of the intention, we quite literally plant the intention in the dark soil of the new moon. And then the moon makes itself manifest two weeks later. So symbolically our intention, the sprouts start to come up within two weeks. And then the larger cycle, if you want to see and give it time to really blossom, hold that intention for six months from the new moon in Scorpio to the full moon in Scorpio. And you'll see the full blossoming of that intention make itself manifest. Now, eclipse season adds a whole amplifier on top of all of it, specifically because the energies are simply amplified. The sun, the moon, and the earth, the nature of an eclipse is that the sun, the moon, and the earth are on the same ecliptic. They're all lined up. So the energies flow between them more potently, more prominently. So the new and full moon on an eclipse are just amplified, super powerful, super power moons. So again, connecting to the way the moon impacts the waters of the ocean and the tides, the way the moon impacts the waters of your body, the waters of your emotional body. This is really relevant when we're looking at it from a desire to move with the evolution of the larger cycles of life, which whether we like it or not, from my perspective is happening. It is happening. It's unfolding through us and as us all of the time. So getting conscious of how each energy through each of the signs is inviting you forward feels really relevant and important from my perspective. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's take a journey through the 12 signs from the perspective of the sun, because all of us, whether your son, when you were born, 
is in Aries or not, all of us go through Aries season every year. Every year, there is a period of time where the sun is transiting through the sign of Aries. So every year you have an opportunity to learn Aries lessons. You have an opportunity to grow as the Aries energy would invite you to. So that's the context I want you to hold as we move through each of the signs, whether your birth sign is that sign or not. And of course, when we get to your birth sign, that's where you are making a lifetime study. From a soul perspective, you've chosen to make a lifetime study of that particular energy. And you've done that for a reason. We're going to look at that why behind your chart. So let's start with Aries. Aries is the energy of the warrior, the pioneer, the truth teller, the fool in the tarot, like being willing to leap before you look, Aries energy. So why on a soul level, if you were born with the sun in Aries, would you choose that? From my perspective, I believe in multiple incarnations and lifetimes. And when you hold that perspective and look at why would a soul on the edge of the cosmic diving board come in with Aries energy? Like, how does that serve the evolution to have a soul intention to generate and develop these qualities of courage and bravery and and warrior energy? That, from my perspective, indicates a prior incarnation of being overly identified with other, with relationship rather than self-sourced. So a prior incarnation of being over-identified with relationships, entangled in relationship dynamics, codependency to be worked out. There can be a prior incarnation of um, stagnancy or a lack of action orientation. And so choosing to come in with the Aries energy from a soul level for yourself or anyone you know that has a lot of Aries energy or during Aries season From an evolutionary perspective, it is extremely valuable to get your courage straps up, like say yes to the things that scare you. There's something that gets fortified and enlivened in Aries times and and, in an Aries being when it comes to facing off with their fears and transcending those edges, one edge after the next, there's an enlightened selfishness that is actually really healthy for an Aries being, because again, they're healing potential prior incarnations of over selflessness, of overgiving, of holding more for others than for themselves. And there's a recapturing of their own trust in themselves and their own trust in their own signal, right? So if you're born with Aries, it's important that you develop a trust in your own signal. And a lot of that will come through trial and error. Now, If it is during an Aries time or a strong Mars time, which rules Aries in your life, the invitation is to do the same warrior wisdom. Like what would my warrior wisdom do right now? Where am I afraid? Where has fear held me back? Right? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being in the presence of fear and doing it anyway. That's a great mantra for Aries beings and Aries time. Now let's move on to Taurus. Taurus, again, is where that full moon lunar eclipse is going to be happening about a week from the release of this episode. So Taurus, Taurus, and there's a a thing that happens where each subsequent sign is like the remedy for the one before it. It's like the medicine, right? That kind of balances out the shadows of the one before it. So some of the Aries shadows are... There's enlightened selfishness and there's just like damn straight selfishness, right? There's a lack of sensitivity. There's an insensitivity. There's a bypassing of the feelings of others, right? So there's an over risk taking where there's a a miscalculation and there's can actually be a risk that's taken that creates damage or residual damage. So there's the beauty in taking risk. And then there's also the shadow side of, you know, acting too fast of the energy being like, I need to do it now and hard and fast. And there can be an agitation in that to rush into something rather than like slow down and actually really listen. So when we move into Taurus, we feel the balance. Taurus is the energy of the bull. When the sun is transiting through Taurus, this is springtime. This is the energy of new life 
coming into form of flowers blooming and animals having babies and you know taking a deep breath and feeling the warm breeze on your body and it's the time to engage the sensual so during taurus season or strong venus which rules taurus times in your own chart or if you're born in taurus you're making a lifetime study of oh, slowing things down like imagine walking through a beautiful meadow in the spring and there's butterflies and flowers blooming and the sun is glinting off the leaves in the most perfect way and just feel that in your body the instinct which is a very taurus word instinctual body the instinct would be to slow down and take a deep breath and maybe graze your fingers across the leaves or the grass the tall grasses and really take in the sensual experience of what's happening all around you. It would not be so much to like rush through it and miss it, right? It's like, no, let me slow down and feel sensuality. Let me fully feel what's here. Let me support my animal body, my primal body in feeling safe in the world in this now moment. This is Taurus energy. So why on an evolutionary level would you choose to incarnate with Taurus energy, with this need to cultivate that which is safe, that which is primal, instinctual, sensual, peaceful. It indicates a prior incarnation where things, where the nervous system got fried, really fried. So you come in with Taurus energy in order to ground the live wires. It's like you imagine wires, you come in from a prior incarnation and the wires are like buzzing and ungrounded. And then you, incarnate with Taurus. And it's like the energy of the bull, just taking that wire and grounding it rod right into the earth. And the whole nervous system really needs that. Like the warm embrace of loved ones, the cuddles, the yummy food that help you feel safe and nourished and nurtured. Money is a Taurus energy. The second house is what Taurus rules. So money what does money, the energy of money actually do? It gives us an indication of where our roof over our head is going to be, that we're going to have food in our mouths. It allows us to feel secure, safe. So security is a high expression of Taurus energy, creating in form that which will generate safety and security. Taurus energy is building energy, builders, right? So when the sun is transiting through Taurus, it's a great time to build, right? When you're born with Taurus, this is a part of your evolutionary curriculum. And now we've got that Taurus eclipse full moon coming, right? This is now we have all this intensity happening during the Scorpio new moon, which I'll speak to when we get to Scorpio. So from an evolutionary perspective for all of us, it's really important to take a look at how are we grounding our emotional body? How are we taking good care of ourselves? How do we move from the complexity of Scorpio to the simplicity of Taurus? So next week during the Taurus eclipse, a huge part of the aim is to bring in more simple grounding energy, get into nature, take a deep breath, get massages, Spend time with loved ones, make extra nourishing, yummy meals. Look at what you are building as a foundation. Taurus energy is very foundational, a foundation in your life that will allow you to generate money and resources that support you with feeling secure and safe in the world. Taurus, do you see how that's a counterbalance, a, a welcomed counterbalance to the intensity of the Scorpio energy? Okay, so now let's move on. Next, Gemini. Gemini. So again, Gemini, the balancing energetic to some of the shadow of, of Taurus. Some Taurus shadows are overindulgence, slow, like slowing down so much that the inertia makes it difficult to get moving again, right? Unhealthy relationships with the body of like overindulgence. There's a Taurus energy can you know, a lot of it likes sameness. It likes simplicity. And that can also yield into like getting a little bored with a lot of that, which is the same and safe, you know, like you can become so safe and so same that 
you go a little insane because there's a need for change. And that's a great bridge to go into Gemini. So when the sun is transiting through Gemini, or if you're born with the sun in Gemini, you're making a careful study in this lifetime of change, of keeping life interesting. Boredom is the devil for Gemini. Gemini likes to keep it lively, to keep it new and fresh. This is about the energy of the student living a life of wonder and awe and bringing that wonder and awe into your life consciously and actively when the sun is transiting through Gemini or during a strongly Mercury, which rules Gemini time in your life. So where there's strong Mercury transits, this is about learning new information and engaging with the beginner's mind. Gemini is also about finding your voice, right? Speaking, writing, communications in all of their forms, letting your voice be known, working with the throat chakra, working with the fullness of your expression, right? So this reminds me of the energy of like the child as well. Like the child that, that when sees everything for the first time anew, and like you show a child a rose for the first time. And it's like the best thing that child has ever seen. So in the Gemini energy, how do we re-engage and recapture the essence of our innocence and our curiosity about life, about ourselves, and let go of the idea that we know it all. Let go of the idea that we have to know it all. In Gemini energies, the more you think that you know, the more fixed we become to an idea or an ideal. And we let go of our openness to receiving new light, new information, new life. So there's this opportunity to engage with this perpetual unfoldment of surprise in your life. And there's just so much beauty and magnetism in that. There's so much play in that. It reminds me of like Burning Man is the ultimate playground for the, the, the high Gemini expression, right? The ultimate student energy, the ultimate availability for flow and shock in, in the best way. And so I really celebrate the Gemini energy and the Gemini times and just being in that space of real curiosity. Now, cancer is the sign after Gemini. Cancer energy brings in balance to some of the shadows of Gemini. Gemini and its shadow can become very distractible. It can go from one thing to the next to the next and forget about the thing that it was on before. It can feel a little ungrounded and unreliable, and there can be a lack of, of home base in it right? Because the Gemini energy wants to be off to the new horizon and learn the new thing and try the new thing and experience that, which is fresh, but can be a feeling of like a lack of reliability, a lack of stability, a lack of an anchor point, a root point. And so again, that's just the shadow and we have free will. So wherever I'm naming the shadows, the place you're choosing from will indicate, are you in the shadow expression? Are you in the high frequency expressions of it? And that will determine how these energies actually take form in your life, right? So is the form reflecting to you a lot of relationships? If you're in the Gemini shadow where with people that are like, I feel like I can't depend on you or feel like I can't track you or where have you been? Or is the form collapsing in your life? Like, many experiences of awe and wonder with people who support you and opportunities to further educate yourself with teachers that are coming in to support the vast expanse of your mind, right? And opportunities to use your voice and write and speak. There's such a, an easy way to determine if you're coming from the light or the shadow by just looking at the reflections that are all around you and then making incremental adjustments with a lot of compassion. So we go into cancer now. And cancer, the remedy, this is the energy of home, the energy of the great mother, of family, of heart, of feeling. So where Gemini is an air sign, it can be more mental in the head, more cognitive. Cancer brings us straight into the heart. Cancer brings us straight into the realm of the emotions, the first of the water signs, right? This is the represented by the crab this delicate animal with nerve endings that are so close to the surface, so close to the surface. So it's like the crab needs its shell for a reason. If you've come in and chosen to incarnate with your son in cancer, that means you have chosen to come in with massive 
sensitivity, volume turned up on the ability to feel. Why? Why would you do that? From an evolutionary perspective, it indicates the the deep desire for intimacy, for the ability to develop and cultivate a sensation of safety and home, a calibration of your relationship with family and the energy of parent, like reparenting oneself and other. This is very much connected to the energy of the healer. So often the greatest healers are the ones who have had to heal themselves first. And if you have strong cancer energy in your chart, you've got the tools within you to go very deeply inside of yourself, feel and heal with the nourishing energy of the great mother, which is that of compassion. Heal through compassion, that which needs it within yourself so that you can bring that great compassion in service out in the world. And also employ that deep sensitivity to support all of those around you and really develop and nurture the relational field around you. You know, the, become the embodiment of the great mother in your life. Even if you're a man, what does that mean? The energy of the great mother, it's nurturing, it's unconditional compassion. There's a devotional quality. There's a loyal quality to it. There's a lot of depth and potency in the force of healing. That is the water energy, the oceanic force of cancer here. So cancer, whether you've come in with your sun in cancer, or it's a cancerian time or a very lunar time, which certainly the eclipse portals are lunar, the moon, the moon is the planet that rules cancer, right? So lunar comes from the word that lunatic historically, that's where the word lunatic came from. There was this idea, right? That being super lunar, being super cancerian, if you're a highly feeling being, that's where the word lunatic came from, lunatic. And there's a stigma in that, right? It's about developing the tools to cultivate and harness the full spectrum capacity, which is power, the power of the ocean to feel fully. And sometimes it's true when we're being flooded by our emotional experience, we can feel like a lunatic. Sometimes it's hard to see through the enormity of those waves. And that's true for Scorpio and Pisces, the other two water signs as well. So we calibrate our lunar, our lunatic energy through being willing to feel and strengthening our muscles that allow us to channel that energy with efficiency and point the healing force of the water energy where it needs to go most. And your tracking system, if you have strong water energy, is designed to do that, to track where the nurturing, nourishing, healing energy needs to go the most. Okay, onward to Leo. So Leo is the balancing effect to some of the Cancerian shadow. So cancer and some of its shadow, it can implode. It can go all the way inward and just hide in that shell and want to protect itself. There can be a lot of protection in cancer. And you can imagine why. Imagine a crab walking across the street without its shell. If a cancer being gets injured or hurt emotionally in any way, there can be a tendency to retract and just hide behind the shell. And so in Leo energy, the balance is to come out into the world to celebrate. Leo is the energy of the sun. Leo is ruled by the sun. No matter where you are in a house, if the sun is out, you know it's out. If the sun walks into a room, you know it's there. The sun is about being seen. It is about being known. It is about owning the majesty of your spirit, the majesty and the magnetism and the magnitude of your soul. If you imagine the sun as above, so below, the sun above has gravity. It has gravitas. It magnetizes everything into its orbit. So Leo energy, if you're born with Leo energy or it's a Leo time, a very solar time, from an evolutionary perspective, it's valuable for you to shine your light and allow yourself to be seen and develop, look at anything inside of you that may be in the way of your own willingness to be seen, to be known from an evolutionary perspective. Why would you choose to incarnate with your son and Leo? Because there's a value of being seen. There's an indicator that in a prior lifetime, there was a lack of actually fully being seen and known. So it's valuable for the soul to get on a stage and let yourself be heard, to share a joke or a story at a table of friends, to let your laugh 
echo through a room to let the truth of your heart pour into a space and just let the light of your expression shine in the world. Leo is also connected to play and to pleasure and to romance, the fifth house connection to Leo, to the house of children, right? Children come from love affairs and and romance and passion. And also the energy of like Michael Jordan doing a turnaround jump shot. It's just pure presence. This is about presence in the now, being in in the excitement and the joy and the presence of all that's here right now. Okay, let's move on now to Virgo. Virgo connected to the sixth house and the balance for Leo. So you feel Leo's in the expression and the presence to the now in this creativity and the artist. And there's so much that's, that's, that's overt and fully expressed in the love of life. And then Virgo grounds it in. Virgo asks for structure and strategy and meticulous energetics where Leo's like the fire of Leo's just wants to get out and do it. Virgo starts to bring in strategy. Virgo says, wait, 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 wait. Let's actually look at the practical, more mundane details of what is required to do what's next, whether that's simply your hygiene, taking care of your physical body or your work in the world. Virgo likes to cover all the details, right? So if you're born with your son in Virgo, from an evolutionary perspective, it indicates that there potentially was a prior incarnation where there was a lot of connection to spirit. There was a lot of outward expressed energies or a lack of opportunity to serve and actually ground into the physical, the spirit or the energy that you're inspired by. Virgo, then you come in with your son in Virgo and it's like, let me take that which inspires. Let me take that which is intangible and make it tangible. Let me take that which is beyond the known and make it known. Let me take spirit and ground it into form. And so there's a very step-by-step willingness to earth in Virgo energy, bring it into earth. Like so much in spiritual traditions, we think about the elevator only going up into ascension. But what if it was just as enlightened to recognize that the elevator comes from the spiritual realms down as well into form? Virgo so much is about that piece. It's also about the service, being of service in the world. And here's a shadow piece. There's a fine line between being of service and being made into a servant. So if you're born with a Virgo son or going through a strongly Virgo time, like sixth house transits, it's important that you look at how am I actualizing my service in its highest? And also where am I overextending myself? Virgo is about the perfectionist, the archetype of the perfectionist. If you come in with Virgo energy, you're going to cover a lot of miles in this lifetime. My teacher made a joke. He shared a story about Virgo people. They're laying on their deathbed and there's a book on the side of the bed that says how to die. It's about doing it right, right? Like how do I die correctly? And so the energy with Virgo, there's so much beauty and power in that drive towards self-improvement. But there's also an Achilles heel when the perfectionism takes over and then we have analysis paralysis or we don't act unless it's perfect. So we just want to look at the balance between effective action and improvement and growth. The ability to be really good at many things is a classic and common quality with Virgo people, right? Just very like down to earth can do many things well. And there can be a tendency to overextend and overserve and, and also overpressurize themselves as a function of, of perfectionism. So Virgo, we move on to now Libra, right? Libra, the balancing energetic for Virgo, where Virgo is about so much about, you know, service and looking at the work in the world in many senses. Libra ruled by Venus brings us into relation brings us into softness, brings us into, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, coming in with strong Libra and energy indicates a prior incarnation where there was a lot of intensity. Libra is about peace. So what's the opposite of that? In one sense, war, you know, lack of peace. So you come in with Libra and it's about finding peace or perhaps in a prior incarnation, there was an over-selfing Right. So we always want to find the balance between selfing and othering the Aries 
Libra axis is about finding that balance. So if you come in from a prior incarnation of over selfing, it's likely to come in with Libra energy. You want to find how to be in right relationship with relationship, which often means journeying through layers of codependency and reconciling that. Like, how do I find the Venn diagram between love and freedom? And where do love and freedom overlap? Where's that beautiful sweet spot where love and freedom overlap? And how do I bring forth more of that in my life? With the Libra and Venus rulership, just watching a sunset unfold, you feel the texture similarity to Taurus, which also is Venus ruled, right? About that which brings you peace, bring a lot of artists have strong Libra and energy, bringing more beauty into the world and beauty into your life and living a life of peace is so healthy for Libra beings, right? And lots of juicy, yummy learning through relationship fields. Okay, onward now to Scorpio. With Libra, so Scorpio being the balance, Libra shadow can look like over peace, if that can even be a thing, right? Like where it's like sacrifice of process and intensity in service of peace. So there can be a, a bypassing energetic, like let me bypass the undercurrents of the shadows and the intensities that are present in this relationship to keep the peace, the first church of nice, rather than actually looking at the razor blade sword of truth that the scorpionic energy just naturally wants to penetrate right into. So Scorpio is the energy of the shaman. It's the energy of looking at the underworld and the unconscious processes. It's like getting into the cauldron, scorpionic eighth house relationships are the kind where you're like, let's get in the cauldron and put the lid on and stick with it, stick with the evolutionary process and the catharsis that occurs in relationship that is deeply devotional, sacred. I'm in, I'm not going anywhere. And we're going to look at everything that gurgles up in the space of reflection. There's a potency and a power to the seer, the oracular sense of scorpionic energy. And that means there has to be a willingness to be with, feel with, and express whatever is the truth, the truth, the truth with a subjective T, right? Because there's a journeying to discovering what is the truth when it's harmonized with those around you, because your truth is subjective relative to the truth of someone else. So you can start to feel already as I'm describing it, the relational complexities that come in with scorpionic energies. So here we are having just experienced a new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio. So we look at our relational dynamics and where is my truth relative to the truth of another and how well and efficiently are we not glazing over it and bypassing it and, or are we going head to head with it and it's creating some explosive relational dynamics? Are we able to find a harmony point that really honors all during Scorpio times? You know, there's a tendency for that which is uncomfortable to rise to the surface, right? And we want to get into relationship where we don't get hypnotized by our, our subconscious as it gurgles up. There's a Celtic myth about, they say, never look at a dragon in the eye, because if you look in the eye, you'll get hypnotized and you'll never be able to let go of its gaze. So this speaks to the drag, our own internal dragons. And when you look your own dragon in the eye, it's easy to fall into it and implode into it. And then you're trapped in this sort of whirlpool of emotional self-process where you can't see beyond the edge of your own nose. The lens becomes distorted and it's all about you and your dragon. And so you're in this whirlpool between you and your dragon, which is a part of the eclipse energy. What is your dragon? What are you in a lockjaw with and hypnotized by within yourself that is actually the invitation is to see it, feel with it, and release the grip on yourself. With strong Scorpio energy that you've come in with your natal chart or during transiting times, like with a Mars and Pluto rules Scorpio. So if you're having a strong Mars or Pluto transit or the sun is transiting Scorpio like it is while this episode is being released. The evolutionary impulse is to 
work on the psychological level and the level of the emotional body to actually go directly into that which you've been afraid to feel and learn how to be with that which you've been afraid to feel with compassion and understanding, right? You've come in and you have during this time, or it wouldn't be happening, the tools to navigate with efficiency and efficacy and compassion, patience, and love and creator consciousness, whatever is rising in your field that is serving as a catalyst and a trigger for you to look at you more clearly, for you to see you more clearly, for you to make a careful study of how it is that you're showing up and choosing to navigate from a place of full ownership and again, really deep compassion. This is the realm inside of which the shamanic work can happen through some of the most incredible breakthroughs occur, right? I really hold all of us as able to meet exactly what's occurring in our lives fully and with care. And oftentimes asking for support is one way of supporting yourself, right? So getting really curious about how can I support myself as these pieces that have been held in my unconscious for a reason, because I haven't been ready to feel them or to look at them yet. And now if the triggers or catalysts are occurring in your life that are stirring up that which had previously been unconscious, the opportunity is to hold yourself as the empowered creator, perfectly designed to attract this exact scenario into your life right now so that you can feel through and get curious about what tools do I need that I have already and that I have access to all around me to support myself in healing through and evolving through what's rising so that I can come out on the other side more empowered. And the power of one who has successfully journeyed through scorpionic waters, whether it's through a phase or through a lifetime, is palpable. It's trustable. It's what you feel in one that has touched all the edges of themselves, that is as equally willing to go into the darkness, into the shadow, as they are to celebrate and dance and express in the light. These are some of the most powerful shamans, most powerful facilitators, most powerful seers and psychiatrists and detectives and ones who are just willing to go there and feel the full spectrum of the human emotional experience. And that starts with you and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing right now. And so there's that curiosity as it's rising during this time, specifically as the sun transits through Scorpio. Now let's move on to Sagittarius. Sagittarian energy is this balancing for the Scorpio shadow. Scorpio shadow can go into moodiness, broodiness, right? Getting consumed by the hypnosis of the dragon that we're facing off with and missing life. And so Sag, when the sun is transiting through Sag, which will happen next, right? Through December, Sagittarian energy is about bringing more life force, more adventure, engaging with that mountaintop perspective where Scorpio goes all plunges to the depths. Sagittarius expands out wide. It's the energy of the philosopher, right? The guru, right? The wisdom keeper, the teacher. So where Gemini is the energy of the student opposing Sag about the thirst for knowledge, the eternal student being in the unknowing, Sagittarius is about the engagement of your truth. What have you discovered based on your experience? Sagittarius is very much about experience, experiencing other cultures, experiencing the variety of religions, experiencing the world in its fullness and the adventure of life. And as an aggregate of that full spectrum life adventure, what have you come to discover as your own knowing? As like, well, I do feel that at this stage of my journey, this is something I know, or this is something that's true for me. One of my favorite quotes to share around Sag is that religion is the finger pointing to the moon, but the trick is not to get caught on the finger, like any one finger, any one religion is the way. It's about the moon that they're all pointing to. It's about the ultimate collective aim of evolution and the aim of truth 
and the willingness to look at a variety of different perspectives. Sagittarius is in its shadow can go into pontification, go into righteousness, can go into othering through this is the one wayness. And there's also the beauty of through the experiential capacity and desire of Sagittarius to travel and to the thirst for knowledge. There can be this aggregation of many different perspectives that leads to an embodied invitation of the moon. Like this is that which I've discovered through my learning, right? There's a lot of leadership energy in the Sagittarian archetypal field. So next is Capricorn, where the ninth house in Sagittarius takes us out on the adventure into travel, into the world, into the the learning through experience and anchoring in a truth from there. There's a lot of, you know, travel. There's a lot of external energy in that or extroverted movement-oriented adventurous energy in that. Capricorn, the 10th house, takes us into, again, an earth energy, the final earth energy of grounding that which we have discovered through all the energies so far in our emotional body, in our refinement during you know Virgo of how we serve and in the detail-oriented nature into the relational fields that we've discovered in the, the cleaning house on the level of the unconscious in Scorpio and the traveling and the the aggregation of a variety of different perspectives in Sagittarius into Capricorn, which is like, wow, my mission, the place I'm creating from the energy of one who has a legacy to leave on this planet to be remembered for after you're, you're gone. Capricorn energy is about the goal, the mission, right? The mountain goat energy, the precision of the next leap that is in service of a higher mission and a higher order. You see the vision of these mountain goats. They jump from these little tiny thin ledges to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. And it's like, wow, it takes so much courage and precision and devotion and unwavering, unshakable commitment. That's Capricorn energy. Unshakable commitment is one way to describe it. And that's modification a balancing to some of the Sagittarian shadow, which can express as a lack of commitment. You know, like I, I just want to adventure and I wanted to see this new place and that new place. And if I commit or anchor to any one thing, then it reduces my freedom where Sagittarius desires so much freedom. Capricorn brings in a grounding rod again and is about devotion and the austerity that it takes to sustain the energy required to actualize a mission and a vision over time. Capricorn ruled by Saturn. So if you're going through a big Saturn transit, this is about sustaining the energy, the maturation required over time. It can feel chronic. It can feel hard, but it's worth it in the high expression of Capricorn. Now onto Aquarius, the 11th house. The sun in Aquarius, if you're born with the sun in Aquarius and the balancing energetic with Capricorn, while Capricorn is about the mission, Aquarius brings in a, where Capricorn can in its shadow be very conservative. It can be like, this is, it can be tunnel vision. This is the way toward the mission. See the mountain goat again. This is, I'm committed to this mission. There is no other way. And there's a conservative quality. Like I have to literally conserve my energy to make this next leap. So I'm going to be very conservative. We go into Aquarius and it's like, whoa, the opposite of conservative. It's revolutionary. It's radical. It's time for radical energy. Aquarius ruled by Uranus in Saturn. So the Uranian energy is this zany, off kilter, outside of the box, willingness to be different, right? So if you're born with the sun in Aquarius or going through a strongly Uranian time, it's time to expect the unexpected in this lifetime. If you're in any box, there's something off, right? So it's how hard am I willing to work to win the approval of others? That's a good Aquarian question. It's so much about shedding the layers of social norms and convention so that you can become a paradigm former, a way shower, a visionary who sees beyond the time. So often strongly Aquarian people or during strongly Aquarian times, others will, you'll find others reflecting, wow, you're crazy. 
you've lost it because they're actually currently anchored in the current time. And the Aquarian being or the one being impacted by a strongly Uranian time is starting to see ahead of the time, starting to see that which is deemed crazy by the time. But then when the time catches up to the future now vision, the Aquarian being is seeing, it moves from you're crazy to you're a genius. And that's a high expression of Aquarian energy and Uranian energy is the energy of the genius. Okay, now onward to the final energy, which is Pisces. So we see in moving from, you know, the Aquarian energy, which is very community oriented, very outside of the box and and, and can also be fixed on their own outside of the box nest. And that can create its own reverb of like, there's a not being included for being outside of the box, but then that one who's outside of the box is not including the ones who are in the box. And so when we go to Pisces, There's this sensation, this balancing of this all-inclusivity. Piscean energy, if you're born with Pisces, your son in Pisces or going through a strong Neptunian time, Neptune rules Pisces, this is about universal love, universal compassion. This is about psychic attunement, the ability to feel it all energetic sensitivity, which is a little bit different than emotional sensitivity. Both are true for Pisces, but this really calls for and adds a flavor, a particular flavor of energetic sensitivity, of intuition and psychic attunement. And if you imagine a Pisces being, it's like the water of their consciousness going out in the world, a shadow for Pisces is you know, taking on energy from people around you like a sponge. And you imagine this clear bottle of water taking on all this sediment, like it's been shaken up. This bottle of water had sediment in it and you go out into the world, it's like shaking the bottle and now it's all full of mud. It's really important for the Piscean being, or if you're going through a strongly Neptunian time, there's an awakening to more consciousness and there's a need to sit that bottle of water down in stillness and in, in sacred sanctuary space and allow the sediment in the water to settle so that the consciousness of the being can become clear and you can really feel what's mine and what's not mine. There's a lot of courage in being willing to attune and feel it all in the field because what's the state of the world right now? It's wild. There's a lot of pain. There's also a lot of passion and beauty, but with Pisces energy, there's not an ability or from an evolutionary perspective, it doesn't serve to block off, well, I'm only going to feel this, or I'm only going to sense that. When you're looking through a glass window, you can't control what comes in or out of the window. It's about just looking with clear eyes and holding that field of universal compassion, that nothing is better or worse than anything else. These are the beings on the planet at this time, or if you're going through strong Neptune time, you're being invited to become a lighthouse of universal compassion that can hold it all with unconditional space and see the highest and see the love flowing through all of its forms, even in the most painful scenes and in the most beautiful ones that could bring you to tears. The Piscean energy is about blossoming wide open, seeing that lotus petal just blossom open to all that is true in the world and holding that tuning fork to the divine frequency of where we're heading, unity consciousness, love, oneness, wholeness. What a beautiful thing. It's like the final sign is where the rainbow spectrum of all the signs that led into it, where like rainbow colors all turn into white. Mm. So it's about the all. And then again, the balancing of that, we enter then from Pisces back into Aries, the first sign. Now it's about, again, me, Aries. We go from all into me. So the shadow of Pisces can go into sacrifice, overly sacrificing yourself, right? Into the all, right? Over-sacrifice, loss of self. And then again, Aries is the medicine. Oh, no, there is a self, me. I am important, right? that pioneering energetic, I trust my own lead. And that takes us full circle all the way around the chart. Thank you so much for listening. That was so fun to to take out my astrology 
tool again. I feel really grateful for your ears. I actually feel inspired if anyone listening feels called to go deep with me into a private astrology session to look into your own chart please reach out. The link for my website is in the show notes and there's many ways that you can message me to work privately one-on-one. So just fill out the application and and reach out. I'd be happy to do a few private astrology sessions. If anyone's feeling called, that was so fun. It really ignited something in me. I'm so grateful for your ears. Thank you for listening. And I'm sending big blessings to all for the highest expression of love and passion and power to flow through you during this eclipse season. See you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.